Boston Radio, and this is Break the Boxes Stories. You are listening to the third season, as you know, where we explore how the creative process can enhance our spiritual resolve and mental well-being. And I'm joined today by the beloved, the one, the only. Kristen is a poet, a small business guidance counselor, former college professor of psychology, and serves in talent and acquisition for Dear Athletes. The Long Beach Press-Telegram newspaper called Kristen, quote, the combo package of intelligence, imagination, and emotional accessibility. She shares her experience of breaking the boxes in sports and art through entrepreneurship for the launch of Dear Athletes' new digital book, Firehead, a poetry book for athletes on mental health. Welcome, Kristen Dent. <laughs> we are so grateful to have you here. How you feeling? I, I, man, I feel blessed. I feel honored. I think when you're in the thick of it, when you're building, you never really get to take an opportunity to step back and see how high you've actually built your building because you're always like putting pieces together. So hearing a bio, hearing you say these kind words, it's um, really resonating with me. Um, and the season I'm in right now, I just had a birthday last Wednesday, exactly seven days ago. It's a late birthday. <laughs> and it's like, so specifically in the month of October, so many things, it's the season of fall and so many things had to fall that the lessons came before the actual birthday. Mm-hmm. And so much has happened this past year where I'm like, I literally don't have any more ounce in me left towards entrepreneurship like that, that I literally have to take an entire year to celebrate. Literally it is the rest year. It is the celebratory year. And I think that I'm also off social media and I think I'm going to have to get off LinkedIn too, but. Um, Say know, more about that. Like what, what drives that choice, that decision? Yeah, so a couple months ago, I would say right, maybe April, I made a decision to get off Instagram because I was being influenced and I wasn't the influencer. And um, I felt like a, a lot of it, I was seeing a lot of drama. I was just seeing a lot of stuff that was getting my blood boiled. And so even when I turned my phone off, what I saw was still living inside of me rent free. And so Ooh, I had to start, yeah, I had to start evicting things out of my soul. Um, And I understand comparison is a thief of joy, but sometimes I want to be able to just see people I know. I don't want to hear about who's beefing with who, you know, I just want to see people I know. So I created separate accounts, Um, but I was still that newsfeed, that search page. Oh, it just will get you right. Anyone and everything in the whole wide world. You into a whole world. And then I'm on a page. How did I get here? 
And I saw a post that said the, in, um, they call it the internet, um, the web, the online web. And they were like, a web is what a spider creates for its prey. It's so sticky. Ooh, it gets you with these metaphors. Right? I'll get so, that. <laughs> yeah. It's so sticky that when you're in there, it's designed for the, the spider to then just roll you into the web and then devour you for its prey. And I was like, I feel like I'm stuck in this sticky web and I need to get off. Now, of course, I do have a business, so, um, but I don't even post on it. That That's how I know I'm burned out and drained. I've also prayed for a business that doesn't require social media. If I don't post, because sometimes I feel like we, we're, we're encouraging people to post valuable content, but I felt like I was a slave to content. Like if you don't post, you won't get paid. Well, guess what? There's been times I've posted and still didn't get paid. And, and so, there's been times I would say where I, I don't post. I mean, well, would you say there's times where you don't post and you get paid? Because I know that's certainly been more true for me than anything. Well, good for you. That's not my testimony. <laughs> okay. Okay. Amen. I'm glad it's happening to you. And that, that has been hard. Like, God, I know people are making money in their sleep why is not is it not happening to me um and you know instagram four years ago is not the same as instagram that it is now and when i was in grad school when i was at usc i was active i mean i was on social media i always had an encouraging word i felt like you sure did come on I, winning wednesday i put your testimonial on my on my little praise highlight bubble <laughs> yes i had a different theme for each day motivation monday business talk tuesday winning wednesday and then it got to a point where I had to encourage myself and I've been fighting it for the past like two years of, okay, let's get back on that. And it has not felt natural. It has not felt organic. I'm like pulling teeth to make videos um, and pour out. And now it's to the point where I'm just like completely offline and really wanting to enjoy my real life. Not that I wasn't back then because I was, but I can't say that I've really been enjoying it. And this is like 2019 was so much healing I had to go through. 2020, you know, we had the pandemic and that was a rough year for me, but that's how my, you know, Dear Athletes was birthed. And then 2021, it's, I feel like it's the year of a vortex, honestly, for me, in the beginning of the year. A vortex, uh, describe the vortex. It's a vortex of rebirth, a vortex of enjoying the fruits of your labor, of all that you've given. What kind of vortex? Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a name for it, but in the beginning of the year in January, I went um, on a flight to visit a friend and, and I wrote a poem about this. This is how impactful this trip was oh. on my way there. It was spirit airlines on my way. Oh, there, <laughs> spirit. You know what they say about spirit. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Cause in the black people, we just started looking at each other like, giving each other that look like we going we we can run together i look you ready to go and so people started pulling out their phones and filming i put my hands in the air and i started praying i'm like good lord i just hold on lord i give me new life hold up i'm ready to go i'm not ready and it was really bad and i was actually scared but i just prayed and i prayed and and then the the pilot goes all right, so it seems like we're having some turbulence. We're gonna be here for a while. And then I'm like, what? And then like 10 minutes later, he goes, all right, well, I switched the altitude and that's why we're having a smoother ride. 
And it hit me like, sir, you were flying at the wrong altitude. That's why we, people connected to you, were suffering and hurting and scared for our lives. And when I got upset, God convicted me and was like, that's how I feel about you. When you're flying at the wrong altitude, when you're flying too low, when you don't come up to the areas I have called you to, other people suffer. Other people are scared because they are connected to you and your destiny. Oh, Lord, that word. You better Stop. All of that on a plane, right? That's that's how I started my year. That's how you know you're anointed with the yes. gifts of preaching, of teaching, right? Of speaking, of all of it. And because these metaphors just come to you so naturally, so fluidly. Like poetry is who you are. That's just it. You know, that's who you are. And I remember, so for those of you who don't know, um, Kristen did allude to being at USC. She got her master's in social work at USC. And we met at a time when I was still an undergrad at USC. And Kristen had birth. She came on the scene and she did not waste one minute, one ounce of her time. She was out here doing it all, her usual. Um, birth, the whole USC actors, uh, Black Actors Network or Black Actors Union brought in all of these wonderful celebrities from Hollywood and created, built bridges and created opportunities for students to learn from them and focus conversations and focus groups. And then she birthed the USC Slam Poetry Group, which really took off. And I believe probably still exists to this day, thanks to the labor of this brilliant black woman. It lives, it lives on. Um, and I mean, the list goes on, but I just wanted to give you that, that particular reference point, because something that always comes to mind when I think of Kristen is just her visionary, her ability to envision things and then to make them come to life. A dear friend referenced, she was like, oh, I think of like the concept of idea doulas. And, and she was like, I think you're an idea doula. And I'm like, well, if I am, I know someone who else who is too, because <laughs> she births the ideas. And she, she really makes sure that they come, they make their way to the surface. They make their way into the universe of the atmosphere so others can benefit from them. And she hosted this award ceremony with paper plates called the Paper Plate Awards. And, and she was so endearing. She, she had the audacity to give me the, why so Shonda Rhimes paper plate award? And I was like, this black woman, <laughs> she, she, she knows how to see people, but I, that's a mouthful. So let me get back to you and what you said. But I had to let them know. I had to let them know yes. the context. I was stepping into this space. So if that was like over seven, eight years ago, you know. So to see your trajectory, to see how you, that poetry, that rhythm of poetry has stayed with you, even when you've, I know there are points where we've connected, you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. So to hear that you have this book of poems, you know, um, of honoring and uplifting athletes with your foundation, dear athletes, it's just so beautiful to see that even when you don't always feel connected to it, you are, right? Because who you are is who you are. <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, that's, that's real. And I, I want to encourage everyone when you're breaking the boxes, sometimes everyone wants a breakthrough, but nobody wants to break. There are certain things that you think are okay. You think you're not hurting anybody. You think certain mindsets are, you know, well, I just grew up with this and those things have to break. And I know for me, I was resisting some things like I'm helping people. I'm encouraging people. I'm meeting all these celebrities, people offering me this stuff. Like, why am I not taking off? And I just remember um, after, you know, going through my own metamorphosis, like I would not exalt dysfunction. If I, if God, meaning, you know, God's saying this, like if God were to elevate me in my brokenness, I would never heal 
because I would be convinced that, oh, my brokenness is what attracted them to me. My Ooh. pain is what they're paying for. That's and so I would never heal. I would just die bleeding. And when you're exalted, everyone can see it. Ooh. And sometimes- And God loves you too much to let yes. them see you in that magnifying glass. You're, all of your brokenness on display when you're most vulnerable, right? God loves you too much to do that. God loves you so much that he gives you the gift of privacy. I was a professor of psychology and- Where were you a professor at? Ivy Tech. It is the largest- Yes, I, the largest community college in the nation. Uh, professor Dent, you know, teaching psychology. But when I signed up, even how I got that job, and that's, I share that testimony on my YouTube channel. I think it's like the highest viewed video I have, but I okay. was- YouTube channel, y'all gonna get that at the end. Right? <laughs> But I moved to a new state when I, I was living in my aunt's basement and I had 30 days or 60 days to be there. And so I ended up having to get, mind you, I have a master's degree, right? In marriage and family therapy. I'm over here like, oh, I have clients. I had my own side business, but I still had to get a job at a gas station. I'm over here mopping floors. I was making $200 a week, but that gas station job gave me a proof of income letter that allowed me to get my first apartment on my own. And all it said was $10 an hour, but I was able to get my own spot. I quit like a week later and I worked at Kroger, a grocery store. And I was there for maybe three, four weeks. And a lot of the older women were jealous and they would always talk about, let's see your outfit today. And, um, you know, certain, certain areas I got to work there, like, why she's new? Why would she get to work it? And then I, I quit because they started it taking too long on my lunch break. So I never got my lunch on time. They felt like they could just run my time out. And I was like, peace out. So I prayed, I was like, God, like, what is it? I just got a new spot. I know you're not going to leave me. And um, one day I had, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. No, it was two o'clock in the afternoon. I had my bedtime braids in and I heard, I applied to um, a secretary position at Ivy Tech and I heard God say like, go down there. And I was like, it is two o'clock. Ain't nobody trying to be in no traffic. I got the braids, go down there. Like you're ready for an interview. And so I went down there and I just asked like, hi, I applied for a position. Is so-and-so here? They're like, no, she's not here. They escorted me to the career office upstairs and it was divine timing. The lady there was like, oh, what did you want to do? And I actually told her like, oh, I actually have a master's in marriage and family therapy. She goes, we have all these jobs here. And she exposed me to a professor of psychology job. Mind you, I haven't even seen this on the website. And I was uh -huh. like, what? And I said, what's that? How did I get there? And then I went and I applied to be a professor on my phone. Wow. Right then and then. I saw the hiring manager. I added him on LinkedIn followed up with him. Hello, I applied for the position. Two days later, he was like, when can you come in to do a teaching demonstration? Mm. That was the day after 4th of July or the day before. And um, when I went and I did a teaching demonstration and he was like, wow, that was the most impressive teaching demonstration I've seen. He's like, I need to start teaching with the whiteboard and using markers. And because I'm an actress, because I'm a poet and studying mental health, I used movies as examples. Like those were our clients. Um, so it made the students feel more comfortable. Like, wow, I can actually see mental health being displayed. And, um, but when I started, God actually showed me the end date very quickly. So I started in August, September, you're trying to get your spring classes. 
and none of the classes aligned with my schedule. And I'm like, what's going on? And God was like, this is temporary. You know, a season is over when resources dry up, your patience is withered, you're bored. It's no longer paying or serving you. There's too many no's and not enough rights. And so I was like, wow. So as soon as the pandemic, uh, March, the beginning of March hit, it was my last day. And I'm glad because they paid horrible. As a professor, it was horrible. And I left and then we went to quarantine lockdown that like two days later. So that's what you were doing prior prior to prior to lockdown. You had just wrapped up your season with things. literally two days before. And then I had a dream. I, I did go through like a, a really dark episode of like, man, what am I doing with my life? Like people say you're so talented and yet I'm struggling financially. I always have a side hustle. I always have a side gig, but it it's it's draining. It's draining to do that. And I want to take a minute to like to rewind and to to, to zero back for a little bit if we, if we can, or even maybe maybe zoom in, <laughs> building on this zoom metaphor. Um, to you know, you mentioned you studied at USC. You studied social work, um, like specifically marriage and family therapy. Can you talk about what got you? Why did you want to go into that field? And I think there's a misconception often that I mean, you got a degree from USC. How could you possibly still be struggling? Right. And so I'm wondering if you can shed some light on that, because I know some folks listening um, may not be familiar with um, what the marriage and family therapy field is like, um, how important it is for our black and brown communities. Right. But can you talk a little bit about um, your your motivation behind getting that degree? Yeah, so I actually have my so I'm from L.A., Um, And I knew I wanted to be an actress. That's just the goal. So I got my degree in theater with an emphasis in acting performance from Long Beach State University. Yes, and I'm grateful for that program because you, I got to eat, sleep and breathe acting. I got, if you weren't acting, you had opportunities to produce and to direct. I was in the newspaper. I was featured in two newspapers when my production opened. Um, which led to me doing a lot of networking. No one taught me public relations like God taught me. I was just, just think and go. Yeah. And I, you know, so you momentum. the thing is for those of you really kind of struggling on like path direction, listen, listen to what people are asking you for. Listen to what people are coming to you for. And people were coming to me for kind of like relationship advice, um, career direction, and people would pay like, Hey, can I take you to lunch? And we're in the same class. Like, and I was like, um, sure, I ain't about to turn down a meal. And right. you know, I noticed people wanted to spend time with me one-on-one. So I was like, okay, I understand acting is not like a consistent income job. So if I'm not acting, my backup plan would be doing therapy. I could create my own schedule. So entrepreneurship has always been the forerunner. So I, after I graduated, I applied to Teach for America the marriage and family therapy program at Long Beach and then the marriage and family therapy program at USC, just those three. I made it to like the second round of Teach for America. I didn't get into Long Beach and I got into USC. And that's a very difficult program. There's actually more grad students than undergrads at USC. So it was more difficult to get in. And our dean ended up becoming the president of the faculty. And she told us our curriculum is the most difficult curriculum out of all the programs. And it was, we were like, are we getting a doctorate? what are you doing? (laughs) People were bleeding, like dropping out, like, and they warned you. So that's how I got into marriage and family therapy. But the root of it is I was trying to heal myself. 
I was trying to that talk, say it, sis. Let them know. I was trying to heal myself because why change starts where? Not outside. Mm. It starts inside. That's how we break the boxes inside. Yeah. And one of the biggest boxes I had to break was um, an ungodly soul tie with a young man who I knew from my like teenage years in high school. Um, And what led to what led to me going to USC at while I was at Long Beach, a lot of the undergrads were applying for grad school, but with theater programs and you had to apply to be a major. So you had to audition. I was so out of it. um, I didn't make my major audition that first semester. So I was like, well, if I can't even make my major audition, how am I going to audition for grad school? I'm not going to make it. So I chose the backup plan, which was marriage and family therapy. And so um, finding out that this young man was um, in a new relationship and creating a family, he I, he was expecting that. I'm not going to lie, that shook me. Uh, to the core it did so you found out right before you came to grad school um a little before I found out like the the, getting ready to start senior year of undergrad is when I found out so I was really not in a the best headspace um trying to wrap up a transition right to wrap up a season yeah and so and it was disappointing not making my major that semester so I was like well I got to do something and I've learned that sometimes you don't always have to do something it's okay to just be. Um, I can definitely now say that I, I, I don't like calling myself a workaholic. I do what it takes to get done. I do believe in the biblical Sabbath rest, which is a commandment. I do that. But I'm learning rest is not just activity, it's your mind. And I haven't actually given my mind an opportunity to rest in about nine years. Kristen, now you know the next question is, does that connect to, I guess I'm connecting that to what you said in the very beginning, which is that you're entering the season of rest. This new year, you just had your birthday. You have been giving, 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 giving. If y'all look up Kristen on YouTube, you will see like 10 million videos. I'm not even, anything that you need, to ask or have a question about life she has covered it and she gives of herself so generously so so generously so I nine years of going 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 because why you're healing right and and I imagine I'm that healing might have to do with a younger inner child a little girl maybe yeah I think that it's interesting Being in a mindset of what's next. Okay, I did this, now what's next? Okay, we did this, we gotta get this, we gotta. That is, I think, rooted in trauma. Yeah. I do survival mode. Yeah. Um, I know for me, when I did have some pressure, so it was either go to grad school or work at Ross, but you have to do something. And instead of, I think like getting rest, I didn't know that was an option. When you know better, you do better. I now know that rest is an option. Just the same way people say failure is not an option. No, it is an option. It just doesn't have to be your choice. When I went to USC, I knew what was on the other side. I knew there was, if I did not quote unquote make it, meaning if I did not make a substantial amount of money to be able to live on my own, 
I knew what was going to end up happening. And I worked so hard to prevent that from happening. Yes, I, I created two clubs. Why? Because I believe in the philosophy I came up with, you know, be what you need. You're complaining about something. What's the solution? And it's usually coming through you. God moves and answers prayer through people. So I created two clubs. I wanted to be a, a cheerleader. I was the first graduate student spirit leader at USC in grad school. They didn't even have grad on the application. If you go to USC now and apply to be a spirit leader, they now have grad on the application. Will they give credit to a black woman? No, they wouldn't. But now y'all know. Now y'all know. It has been, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, Boston. Even with the Poetry Slam team, there was no poetry team. Who created it? A Black woman. Are they going to give credit for that? Of course not. There was and no Black Actors Union, you know, USC Black yeah. Actors Union. We know this. This is aligned with history, right? And this is what part of this project is of archiving our herstories because yeah. Black women are writing the future. Afrofuturist yeah. thought tells us this. Octavia Butler was a prophetic voice that spoke into existence this time that we're living in now and then Praise God. Now there is a, a movie series that's going to be, you know, it's honoring and inspired by her works. But just to build on that, really to hone in on that point around, you know, the labor and love of Black women writing in our herstories and our futures, but often being erased. Um, so I just wanted to situate that in that, in that particular should. trajectory. As you should. And I, I want to say this. So, um, so, so that was the driving force. Okay. Nobody knows what your driving force is, but you do. And instead of running from the thing that's chasing you, you have to kill it. So imagine mm -hmm. the thing that's chasing you is a dog. It's a pit bull. I'll just use myself because I can only speak for myself. I was running at the speed of light. I had seven deaths in my family while I was at USC. So imagine running three clubs, cheering in, from, in front of 50,000 people in front of you, 3 million on TV, people recognizing you and you are, and I was so broken. I was so broken. My memory was shot because that's one of the first things to go with trauma. I felt like I was hyper visible, but not seen. Um, my teammates were basically bullied me because my coach told me he was like, they're basically like, who's this new girl trying to take over? And I'm like, trying to take over, excuse me, sir. Do you know how broken and depressed I am? What y'all threatened by? Like, I need it's friends. It's difficult to read Black women's, like, vulnerability. It often gets yeah. misread as anger or as a threat, right? Yeah, and I was super kind. I went out of my way to go to the dinners and go to here, and I didn't want to, but I wanted to be a team player, and that's what hurt the most. It's like, whoa, I gave in a lot of effort. I offered you a ride. You didn't want it. You guys took pictures without me, but when I wanted to take a picture, you called me the selfie queen. It was this double standard, and it was hurtful, and the coaches allowed it. I even called. I even told the coaches, like, yo, we need to have a sit down. I don't care if you're, we're friends, but what you're not going to do is put me in the back just because you want to shine. That's yeah. not going to work, and they knew that, and so when that season ended, it was very, a very rough, very, very rough season. Um, two black women who were previously on the team. So they're not on the team. They came and they were judges and I looked at them and, and they looked at me like, we're not putting you on this team again. And it sucks because it was black women. Y'all not even on the team. What you coming at me for? And I think for them, they didn't know that they can continue to be in grad school and cheer. And I think that was the issue. Like, well, we would have stayed if we, cause they stayed at USC to do grad school. Um, jealousy is a murder. A jealous spirit is a murderous spirit. Please remember that and, and stay away. And so for me, I, um, I was looking to stay alive by any means necessary. 
And even as broken as I was, I was able to do those videos. So I was able to still pour out. And um, I even, you know, I just got entangled with some things, but why you saw all the networking and the celebrity bookings and all that, I knew what was on the other side. And when I graduated <laughs> the same week I graduated, I was the commencement speaker for two grad ceremonies and I was evicted from my apartment that same week. Um, I was in the worst of times. I was going to say, can we pause for a minute? Because I'm curious for you, how you would characterize how you were feeling. So one, you mentioned that like, you know, you, you, um, sort of like, there are moments where you need to realize that you have to stop running from the thing. And instead you, I think you named kill it or, Mm -hmm. and I, I think of kill as, um, I think of what comes with that is just this principle of like death, right? I mean, with grief, there is, there's, there's loss, whether it's a loss of a relationship or, you know, a certain role or responsibility, just loss, right? Like killing something means like, let's, let's, let's make sure that that no longer, that energy no longer, I'm not running from it. I'm facing it. I'm confronting it. I'm paying attention to it. I'm asking it what it needs of me. Mm. What, what growing edge, what do I need to do? How do I need to expand? How do I need to stop? Because really the box for me is the pattern, right? So when, when you said you're, you're alluding to shifting a pattern and mm. is what I'm hearing because you're, you're no longer running because with trauma specifically, um, and we're, the reason why we talk about enhancing mental and spiritual resolve is because the big issue is intergenerational trauma within our communities is real and it manifests through patterns that are passed down mm-hmm. in my family from my mom's mom to my mom's mom's mom and it comes and trickles down so our ability to identify it then is the philosophy that that's how we can break that pattern and so when you say you know it it is a trauma response to think that we have to keep going and going and going and I have been there and I am with it right now you know because it doesn't turn off but when you say kill it what was the thing that you felt like you were running from and what do you think died or, ha- or that you that you that you stopped or that you killed to do yeah, something different yeah good question so I think the the dog metaphor the dog that was chasing me was suicide um suicide associated with lack so if you don't you know produce enough to have your own place to live you can end up living at that place and you know how it is at that place. That pay place would be whether it's home or whether it's right anywhere that's familiar that was abusive or that was not yes. healthy. Yeah. Yes. So you've been in a, um, a a toxic environment before. You've already been there. That's the only place you can go if you don't get your Create stuff. something for yourself. Yeah. If you don't get a job, and it, it wasn't even just getting a job. Like you got to get a place. You and even if you want to stay, I could have stayed at my apartment, but get your own you have to have your own income to be able to afford the rent and so that's why I wrote a book I didn't write a book for fun um I wrote a book because there were several people coming up to me saying especially when I was cheering just how people would look at me like who who is she how she get there what she do what and it was from other black women and it was I was just I would look at them with so much empathy like I wish you knew I am not your enemy I am so tired and some of them would come up to, and that's the other thing about being a poet. When I'm on stage performing, everybody can see me, but I can't see all of them. So I would meet people on campus and they're like, oh, I already know who you are. Sometimes whether if they were hurt or offended by my poem, they already didn't like me before I ever met them. And then some people would like me and I've never even met them. 
So I had people coming up to me saying like, oh, wow, your life is just, you're everywhere. You cheer, you do this, you do this. Your life is great. I wish I could. I'm like, you only see my achievements, but you never hear my suffering. You don't know what it costs to be here. And so then I wrote the book um, called The Dangers of Being Gullible. And it's, I think it's still on Amazon. And it the genesis of that was about a lot of the traumas. I didn't even know I... I, those were traumatic, but a lot of the traumas of growing up in LA and then moving to Colorado and then getting entangled with one gentleman and how I was even cheering, hoping he would see me on TV one day and be like, oh man, I messed up and oh, I want her. And, you know, just- and, well, and doesn't every young, right? I think that it's not uncommon for, you know, when you are, when you're young and you, you have relationships or early relationships or first relationships or whatever the case is, we have these ideals and these images and these visions of, you know, of um, what is the word redemption or reconciliation, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we're given these notions of love and romance, right? That are passed down in images of other people's ideas and visions. But rarely do we take a minute to stop and create everything for ourselves. So what is love for me? Mm. What do I, what, what, what do I, how do I actually define love? And Bell Hooks, right? Reading her book all about love changed everything. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, her work. Yeah, you're, you're a huge Bell Hooks advocate. Yes. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, excuse me. How can I mention or assume that you may not know given how much we've talked I'm like I'm sh- it's come out of my mouth a million times <laughs> no that's real and yeah that was um and so one of the the other dog was um I don't know how to say this if it makes sense but like just the the chase to for love like oh if I'm successful then people will love me but then oh, I'll be worthy of love then yes. I'll be validated then I'll yes. feel whole inside Yes. So the lack of worthiness was chasing me as well. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that's one thing I, for, unless you've been an entrepreneur, this may not make sense to you, but that's why for me, I don't believe that hard work always pays off because sometimes it doesn't require hard work. It requires smart work. You can move in the right direction at the wrong time. And you will think I, I've also learned pain is not a down payment for success. And we are teaching our daughters to keep working hard. I learned in um, my program that actually girls specifically are encouraged to do um, AP high achieving schools and classes and sports in addition to the due diligence in the home when boys are only required to do sports. They don't have to do high achieving classes and being involved in government and yearbook and stuff like that. So we place this heavy burden on our daughters um, with a weight that they haven't been equipped to carry. Um, and just because I saw you suffer doesn't mean that that's the way I'm I, I want to be built to suffer as well. And I'm for you to, for, for me to be doing this for nine years, running from a dog, running from these two pit bulls. Um, when have I actually taken time to rest and to celebrate what I have done? And because when you don't do that, you don't even appreciate the journey. And one thing is you'll always end up seeing someone's end product, but you never saw their process. This is why you should never be afraid to compliment somebody, even if it's just, hey, thank you for not giving up. You don't know labor of love. Do you know how traumatizing it is for a woman to Oh, you are speaking so much truth right now. Something (laughs) is connected inside of you that is coming out of something so small, something. And then there's a cord and then there's placenta. 
and the, it's tr- the baby is being squeezed. The, the baby's going through trauma. It went from having fluid. Now it has to learn how to breathe air. Like we don't understand that. And for me, I have been, um, which is something in an abusive relationship, um, why people go back. This is a cycle. It's called waiting for honeymoon. So that you'll usually you'll be abused, but those two weeks when you guys were good holding hands and he wasn't hitting you or she wasn't abusing you financially, the abusee focuses on the honeymoon. So the reason yes, so the reason they stay is because they're waiting for honeymoon. That is the same thing that can happen in entrepreneurship and in your art. You will be waiting for honeymoon. And I realize I'm waiting for honeymoon. I'm waiting to have the same like momentum and hype that I did when I was in grad school at USC, not understanding like I'm not the same person. I don't have the same hair texture. Um, um, I don't have the same energy. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm shocked at, I'm shocked at the change. Yeah. And it's sad. And it's so natural. Like, like, like that you are changing. Right. And that like, that this growth and this and, and aging even, and like, and, and aging into a different phase of womanhood and development is, it can be beautiful and it can be nourishing and it can be restful and I think of Ecclesiastes 3.13, I believe, right? Like there's a time for everything. Yes. And that is what I would, that this is the biggest lesson I've had to learn is I had, so after quarantine came in, I I went through a, a dark season, like, God, why am I still here? These cycles, these, these, this dog is still chasing me of poverty. Why? And I had to, I had a dream. So I went through deliverance. For those of you who don't know, deliverance is when like, you know, um, I don't know what to call them. They're, they're spiritual leaders in the church. Um, they cast out demons, um, but you definitely want to be trained to know what you're doing. And I went through that. And once I had that. You were, um, you were, you were trained in delivering? Oh, or no, they were trained. Okay. Yeah, they were trained and they had a whole team and they did deliverance on me. And when I, after that same night when it was over, I slept with such ease and peace and joy of the Lord. And I had a dream and I had a dream about what is now dear athletes. And I saw another woman using our product and I was like, I thought it was her idea. So I told my therapist at the time, I was like, yo, I had this dream. I was like, yo, I pray for that lady. I pray that she gets all the funding she needs, the support, the system, everything. And my therapist was like, that business is for you. I'm like, me? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know nothing about no college sports, no athletes, but I was like, um, you're unemployed. Um, <laughs> I gave you a dream right after deliverance, go forth. And I took off with it. And when I would take, when I'm saying I took off with it, Dwayne Wade found out about it and he was like, I love it. Get wow, you, you received a response from him. Yes, I love it. He wanted 2,500 um, followers on Instagram before moving forward. I'm like, bet we uh, got with DoorDash. Billion dollar company gave us gift cards to distribute to college athletes because they went home soon. We had people signing up for uh, on our email list with no marketing. I didn't even put it out. I'm like, how are y'all finding me? And there was momentum, right? There's speed, right? And all of a sudden everything stops. All of a sudden, oh, and then I get interns, right? I got people working for me. I had 12 people working for me. I'm like, Thank you, Lord, for the upgrade. Okay. And then everything stops. 
Instagram followers that. aren't growing. So we can't even meet with Dwayne until we get this 2,500. So once again, what? The dog is chasing. Come on, post more content. Do more. We got to get 2,500 subscribers. Come on, come on, come on. Great. Then um, by faith, I was like, oh, by faith, we're going to get this funding. So I, was, I told my interns, yeah, this is a paid internship. The money didn't come through. So now I'm starting a business by faith, but now I'm in debt. Now I owe people money. So what, what started off as a blessing is starting to feel like a burden. Then, you know, nobody wants, they, they finish their term, but they're like, yo, when are we getting paid? We need our money. Instagram followers start to go down. A lot of the work that used to be distributed to others now comes to me. Um, I end up getting, I was working and I was meeting with some top dogs. And that's another thing I've learned. Like I no longer want to meet with people that doesn't lead to a check. That networking, there's a season and that there's a season. And in that season, I started interviewing people and I interviewed professional athletes, college athletes. And I heard a common thread of abuse, a common thread of one person. He told me the game. He's like, once you sign the NCAA contract, you sign your life away. You cannot speak on certain things. There's no workers' compensation. So you don't get to have physical therapy after you graduate. And they basically toss you to the side and um, they don't keep black people who make all the money in leadership positions for them to have paying jobs. And then the Proverbs 31, eight through nine, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. If you wanna build a business, one thing that has helped me is getting an anchoring Bible text. And that Bible text will anchor you in why this business was created. So once I got that, and now I don't have a team. And now I'm um, the job I was working at was super toxic. I ended up getting in a um, car accident right after my boss cussed me out and I had to fire him. And so now all these like horrible things are happening. Wait, 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 pause. You said you fired your boss? Yeah. This isn't going to work. And then I left. Uh, because okay. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. And I say it like that because a lot of people, we are placing power in other people's hands. You can fire people out of your life. Okay. Well. You're reclaiming your power because you are yes. the CEO of your life. Even yes. if you don't have an LLC or business form formally written legally, you're the CEO of your life. You have the choices and decisions and the shots to call. Absolutely. And when I, when, when I had all this time, I was now on an unemployment. And so then I needed my town to pay my rent. So I filled out the application and it said, do you have any money in a IRA, in a Roth IRA, in a 401k, in a tombstone fund? And I was like, what in the world stops? I'm like, I don't even understand this. And I said, God, I need to learn about money. Come on. I turned it in and they paid my rent twice. And then they were like, you have a savings account with $2,000 in it. I was like, that's from the car accident I was in. They're like, well, you have money. So I was like, okay, well, that's out. And I told my Bible study group how I was feeling. And someone in the Bible study group said, hey, my job's hiring. And they gave me a link. I was reading for a movie and the character I was reading for, she worked at this, well, I'm not gonna say where, but she worked at this business, right? Um, and then when I went and I checked my email a couple of days later from my Bible study friend, where my character worked, that's where he works. And he referred me to work at that job. And I work there now. And I'm learning how to be a wealth manager. 
Wow. Wait, so let's talk a little bit. I know I can't believe we already have like seven minutes, but we are going to continue the conversation per usual. I mean, this is literally just scratching the surface. So all of the knowledge and wisdom that I'm sure all of you have already gleaned from Kristen. Um, so in this, I love that you shared a little bit about Dear Athletes and like how that came to be. And specifically financial wellness and well-being just yes. so important in our community and I've just in the past year I feel like started investing saving Roth you know Roth IRA like a 401k 403b all of the 509s right like <laughs> getting knowledge about it but talk about what you do now and what you're learning now as you are you know um, working with wealth management yeah so one thing I'll say is there's power in being married that you make more money. There are so many benefits of being married, financial um, benefits. Two, you definitely want to get a Roth IRA um, and you can trade and you go, you do that through a brokerage. So you wouldn't go to like Wells Fargo, Bank of America. You can Fidelity, go- Fidelity, that's where I open mine for free. Mm -hmm. And you can trade. So you can even do like 6,000, you can do up to $6,000 $6, a year contribute to your retirement. This is a long-term investment because when you retire, you don't want to rely just on social security. You need to have money. And you also remember inflation, just because something is worth $2 now, it may be worth $5 20 years from now. So you need to prepare for the longevity. I would also say, make sure you get a trust and make sure you get a will um, and, make, and get life insurance. That is the biggest things I'm seeing like that is your way of telling your parents and your family and your friends you love them, making sure you don't have to do a GoFundMe when you invest and you have savings. And it just requires a level of discipline. Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking control over my finances. And if you're somebody who's like, man, I don't know how to trade stocks. I don't know any of this. Well, you can get a wealth manager. You can get somebody who their job is to multiply your money and they only take a percentage of what they've multiplied. So you came in and you said, here's $100. They turned it into 10,000. Okay, they get 1,000 of what they've multiplied. Um, so I've learned the power of having an emergency fund, the power of having a 401k, the power of really securing your future. And I'm, I'm learning about wealth. And I, if you, if you have a business, sometimes your prayer requests will be answered and it may go off track of the business that you're starting. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm basically, I was like working this job doing therapy after work, then doing Dear Athletes, and I'm exhausted, exhausted. I say, talk about that, that particular rhythm. Because, um, yeah, and yes, I will drop links to, to different um, things, things that Kristen is mentioning, and we're going to spend a separate time focusing specifically on finances because I have a lot to, to add yeah. to that. Yes, please bring me back. You guys tell Breaking the Boxes to bring me back, okay? Uh, no, Very yeah, that, that decision, of course, it was a survival decision of working. And then I, I, when I needed money, I would just go back into private practice therapy. Um, so I was having clients and that season was great because I felt like all of the clients, I had like six, all of them were like reflections of me and what I was going through. So when I would do therapy on them, healing was happening to me. It was like the Holy Spirit was speaking and I was like, oh, that's, that applies to me. I was like, man, that's good. So that was nice. But like I said, when a season is up, resources dry up, money starts to run out. And so I literally had people like, yo, I feel good. I, I don't feel like I need this anymore. And I'm like, 
well, great, awesome. And yeah. then one one client, you 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 give the you give therapy, yeah. hoping that they won't need that. Forever. Exactly, yeah. and I tell them that from the jump. Look, we got eight weeks, and I give homework. The goal is transformation. And one client, she couldn't pay me on time, so I was like, look, we got to terminate. You got to find somebody else. And I just realized, like, I don't like this whole grind culture grind is not in the bible at all rest is and and if you all haven't noticed yet um Kristen is a devout uh Christian I would say (laughs) yes and and really um moves in the world doing her best to abide by teachings um in the bible and so as you know we talk about spirituality in many different ways shapes and forms in walks of life and you know that I worked at a multi-faith chaplaincy for a year prior to this so engaging wisdom traditions, um, whether it's Hinduism, Judaism, um, you know, Christianity, Africana spirituality, and indigenous traditions. So I just wanted to invoke that because I hope you're, you're catching all these gems if, you, if, if the Bible is your way into your spiritual practice as well. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's, you know, that's my truth, you know, I, and it, it's, it's hard because you think that what I've learned is you're not exempt from the process. You're not exempt from development. There are certain things I try to fast to come. And I'm like, I'm over here fasting and praying and getting headaches from hunger. And certain things didn't break. Certain things didn't happen. Um, I'm still recovering from 2020. I'm like, God, where were you? Like, man, my trust for you. Um, and that requires asking questions and listening for the answer. And it was, it was rough. It was, it was a rough time, but if you ever get a chance to read Isaiah 58, what I just described to you, how I felt, that's exactly how that chapter starts. You come to me with your mourning and your burlap sack, and you have your, your fasting and abstaining for food, but you don't even do the type of fasting that pleases me. And that chapter breaks down what pleases the Lord. Set the oppressed free. Don't ignore relatives that need your help. Feed the hungry. Close those that close those that need. And I was like, wow. So I'm coming out of religion. I'm coming out of tradition. And I'm really applying the words that God has given us. Um, and so I'm not going to lie. Like, dear athletes, this past book, Firehead, um, talk about signs. I was like, my friend was a pastor. He was also the connect with Dwayne. He told me that when we started, like, yo, you should write a poetry book, passion poems for athletes. I was like, ain't nobody doing that. Don't know athletes. Want Which no is exactly book. why you gotta do it. I was like, ain't nobody checking for that. Nobody's done that. No. And I ignored it for a year. But when I was desperate for money and these interns are hitting me up, like, when am I getting paid? I'm like, I need some money now. And he hits me up and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to get dear athletes out of debt. He's like, you know, I still hear that passion. He's like, I just had a vision of athletes walking on their campuses, reading your book, write that poetry book of passion poems. And I did, that book was done in like two weeks. And when I finished it, I started drawing the cover because I felt like in that season, my skin and my face were extremely darker than the rest of my arms and legs. And I knew I had so much going on in my head. I felt like I had smoke in my head. And I felt like a firehead, like my head was on fire. And if you've ever lit in a match, the the, the top of the part is darker than the rest of the stick because it's been struck. Uh-huh. And so I, I was like firehead. And then the next day, 
Um, my mom's watching track and field and we see Shikari Richardson and what people were calling firehead and then yeah, oh when she was running with her beautiful yeah, like, like orange, fire orange. yes yeah. so when I saw that I was like oh this is a sign and she was talking about grief and she was talking about loss and so many yeah, she had gone through so much and especially not only as a black woman but with losing her mother and everything and at that height of her life wow yes. I can see how that that's powerful for you to have already had that image of firehead and your head was on fire but not in like you were on fire like you're burnt out it was you were on fire like you were illuminating all these ideas you had all this passion just wrapped up inside mm -hmm. you at that time is that that's right that's what the meaning is behind it yeah, I feel like it's both. I felt like I was definitely burned out, but I had like, you know, so much to offer, so much to, you know, give. And when I saw that, I thought it was a sign. And then, you know, Simone Biles and then were coming out with the sexual assault story that they were going through. I was like, this is a sign. I felt like I had to experience and feel a lot of things on behalf of others, um, especially athletes, um, interviewing athletes that have been sexually abused by athletic staff or even alumni preying on athletes, especially black athletes. Um, it was very, I felt like I was like a, um, a portal. Like in order to write it, I had to feel it. Um, once it happens to you, then it can happen through you. And oh, that no. was, yes, that was, that was, I think the hardest part. So, but like I said, you know, you're seeing these signs and you're like, wow, anytime I tell somebody we have this poetry book for athletes on mental health they're like that's amazing that's great but they don't support but they don't promote but they i was don't gonna say you're gonna drop the link for us real quick like is it can i pre-order it is it on yes. amazon yes. yes it's um at the dear athletes foundation.org okay typing it in now yes so that you. you all know it does exist foundation.org yes and depending on if you're on a mobile de device you just scroll down and you'll see the book cover it's like two people, two athletes with their heads on fire, a blue background, and it says like order firehead. It's a digital copy, so you can get it right now. You can read it. And um, this poetry book, it shocked me as to what, I know, I know that these are some of the stories that were written. Is that the right, is that the right? Um, I'm listening, sorry, <laughs> y'all. I'm putting the, the website in the chat so that I can make sure I have it. Yeah. And oh it's the the dear athletes the dear athletes foundation okay that's why it was coming up all right continue yes of course so yeah I mean that was the hard part um is like having something that's unique and needed and genuine and I feel like I've maybe missed my mark like you know with name image and likeness like we wanted dear athletes to be like boom like right there on my LinkedIn page um, someone from the San Francisco 49ers was viewing my page. I just had the CEO of the NCAA viewing my page. So it's wow. like, and you know this because you're able to track it through your data on the back end. Yeah. Well, actually, if you go to notifications on LinkedIn, it tells you who views your profile. So oh, I'm over here I see. what I got, you know, trade, I got dear athletes trademarked. It took us a year to get trademarked, but we're trademarked. And I'm just like, Lord, where's the fruitfulness? I've coughed up my own money, sleep, tears, time. You know, I wrote this poetry book and it's like, it's a, it's, it, this is a quality piece of work. This really this is, is y'all. I'm ready. I just can't wait to hit um, pay. And I see that it says that 
The book is only $15 for all this time, labor, and love. Y'all heard it here first. It's by your head when burnout and trauma lead to suffering. These are the poems for student athletes. And so um, is there a purchase now link? Um, it says we're going to get payments all squared away so that by the time this airs, y'all can go straight to the link and it will be all set. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know that. Yes. Um, and yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a product of, I think, burnout of not having it fully done. I thought it was done, but thank you for sharing that. And that's, you know, that's just honest. That's what um, we do. You know what? Yeah. That's what we do. That is what we do. But I want to let you finish this last lesson before we riggedy, 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 wrap yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, I can, um, and I can spit one for you guys if you want, but yeah, I would say the top things that I've learned is you can't beat God's timing. And so um, make sure that you're operating from a place of love um, because the burnout is real and that it's okay to get off that hamster wheel because you have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing working? Me moving at the speed of light, um, that worked back then this, it doesn't work in this season right now. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to reap my harvest. I'm believing God for it, but I've literally given my absolute all. And, um, it's time to just rest and celebrate all the things we've talked about. Um, yes. some of the things that have been talked about, like I literally need to rest and celebrate because it can really mess with your self-esteem and it can really lead to really poor thoughts, um, that are not conducive and it doesn't glorify God. So your perspective, my perspective sometimes is off because I'm like, I'm doing this. Why am I not getting this? Yeah. And it's like, it's God's timing. It's not yours. It's God's yeah. timing and it's aligning and it's always yeah. divine. Yeah. When David, when David was anointed to be king, right? He was anointed to be king. The next thing that happened to him was a battle with Goliath. After that, he gets in the palace. So you would think he'd be king then, right? No, Saul's trying to kill him in the palace. David doesn't become king for another 17 years. That wait, Ooh, 17, 17 years. I'm now, if there is not a bundle, an avalanche of inspiration, encouragement, and motivation, y'all, I don't know where it is because I know it's right here with Miss Kristen. And I want to one, um, something we do at Break the Boxes with our radio show is really talk about staying lifted, right? So you talked a lot about trauma, about healing, about the ways your creativity has fortified your healing and how entrepreneurship has been at the center of that, um, that you're not disillusioned by the fact that you are, um, you know, there are toxic patterns that you've been exposed to and that you've allowed that to fuel why you want to serve and why you want to help and why you want to birth things. And that as you enter the season of rest, um, you know, you will be able to reap the, that harvest in God's, in God's timing and in the timing that is yours, that's already written. In Arabic, they say, maktub, it is written, it's written in the stars. And so I just want to affirm that. And thank you for sharing time and also ask you, you want to wrap us out? Yes, yes. And if you guys bring me back, I'll do more. But um, I love the game, but not the games that come with fame or people knowing my name, but never knowing me, paying my tuition, but never paying me directly, the pressure from my family to be chosen, but sometimes I don't even choose me. Who can love on me and pull me away from the lust monster living inside of me? I've learned to keep it private until it's permanent. If you're praying for my downfall, this time it's working. I've never seen consistent destruction in the making. 
when discipline isn't working, prayers aren't producing, body still hurting and enemy still lurking, envious of their joy, but to my pain, they're rejoicing. Please learn your lessons as fast as you can, because I've learned the hard way. You can't turn fans into friends. I can't outperform my mental health. The mask is about to fall now. Athletes need rest for their soul now. Who will speak out for the talent now? When you got the smoke, but no release. When your head's on fire, waiting for a piece of peace. So your brain waves can have a good day. Dear athletes, healing is a uniform you put on every day. Don't give up on making your mental space your first place. That's what this is about. It's popular education, horizontal knowledge exchange. Yes. <laughs> That's Alice Walker. We are who we've been waiting for, right? Paulo Freire's popular education. Um, we learn with and alongside. So thank you. Thank you all for listening. This is Break the Boxes Story Season 3. You heard it here. We went into financial nuggets. We went into creativity, spirituality, and the benign. So thank you again. And until next time, stay lifted and stay blessed. Well, ain't you sick of spending all your nights alone? If it's loving that you want, girl, I promise you desire. Conversation when I come around